Welcome back everybody to MarTech Interviews. On today's show, we're gonna be talking conversion rate optimization with John McDonald. He's the president and founder of The Good. This is MarTech Interviews, a podcast from DK New Media, publishers of MarTech, the leading publication for sales and marketing professionals to research, discover, and learn how technology is driving business results. Your host is Douglas Carr. Oh, welcome back, everybody, to MarTech Interviews. And uh, via Skype today, I have John McDonald. John is the president and founder of The Good. They're a Portland, Oregon-based conversion rate optimization firm. Uh, they have an incredible clientele that's included Adobe, Nike, Xerox, The Economist. Uh, and, uh, of course, John, you uh, regularly contribute content on conversion rate optimization to publications. So you've been an Inc. entrepreneur, Optimizely. Uh, boy, you, you know how to uh, convert folks, don't you? <laughs> Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, and uh, we have a scale of listeners, everybody from, you know, do-it-yourselfers all the way up to enterprise clients. Enterprise clients probably don't need to be told uh, what conversion rate optimization, but, you know, you're the expert on this. How, how do you define conversion rate optimization? Well, conversion rate optimization as a whole is really around tracking every click and movement that consumers are taking on your site. Of course, doing that in an aggregate fashion, so you're not really uh, bumping up against any privacy concerns, but making sure that you're, you're essentially tracking the clicks and movements to use that data to help you improve your website. So really, it's a data-driven approach at iteratively improving your website over time. And there's a, there's a, obviously, every website has a ton of different things that can impact you know, people's interactions with that website from, you know, design to verbiage to colors to um, mm -hmm. how slow or quick it is or anything else. Um, how does how does someone it seems like it could be overwhelming. How does someone even get started with conversion rate optimization? Well, the first thing we always like to, to make sure brands are doing is that they have four main pieces of data set up for tracking. So if you're going to do data-driven optimization, you need to have the right data in place that you're collecting. So the first thing, of course, is going to be analytics. Every brand should have analytics set up. Most big brands will. A lot of smaller brands will install the you know, Google Analytics snippet, for instance, but they don't do anything beyond that other than maybe pop in and look at visitor counts and whatnot. You know, out of the box, Google Analytics is wonderful. It's a great tool, but it's really meant for marketing and it's really meant for helping you to track your effectiveness of your Google ads that you're buying. It's not really set up to help you track conversions and improve conversions effectively. So the first thing we always want to go in and do is set up some goals within Google Analytics around people taking the appropriate paths through your site. What types of interactions are you looking for? So we set up custom events in Google Analytics. And this is stuff you can Google and do yourself. It's really not that complicated once you understand it. And there's some great tutorials out there. But really just tracking that information in Google Analytics is really the first step. The, the one hint around Google Analytics as well is I would really recommend brands do what's called annotations. You can go in and add an annotation on a date in Google Analytics that will really help you understand 
trends. And what I mean by that is, you know, we really want to look at things like year over year improvements, month over month, week over week. What becomes really hard with so much stuff going on to even remember what campaigns you ran a month ago or certainly a year ago. So adding in those annotations is is really going to be helpful for, uh, in the long run to understand, hey, we had a spike one week last year. What did we do around that time that caused that spike? So that way you can compare year over year more accurately. The second thing that we always recommend doing is heat mapping. So that's heat maps, click maps, scroll maps, essentially understanding what content people are engaging with on your site and how they're engaging with that content. So if you think about it, you want to know whether somebody's even seen your content. And if they are, are they actually reading it? Are they engaging with that content? And really, that's what this is all meant to, to understand. So when you think about that, um, there's some great tools out there. Hotjar, H-O-T-J-A-R, is one of them. I think it's like $9 per month. So really, it, it's super cheap and affordable um, for the data insights that it can provide. But what we're looking for here is uh, everything from how far down the page are people scrolling. So are they even seeing that key content or your call to action? We're looking for where their mouse cursor goes on your page. So our, you know, something to be thinking about here is most people don't realize it, but when you use a desktop browser, your mouse cursor is actually following along with your eyes. So it's a really good tracking to, if you track the mouse cursor, to understand where the eye is looking as well. There's some really good correlation there. Now there's some great tools out there to help you do eye tracking as well. A little more probably graduate level course, if you will, for that. But the best way to get started with that, use uh, mouse tracking, cursor tracking. And then, of course, click tracking. What we're looking for here is what are people clicking on, but not just what they're clicking on. Maybe that people are clicking on stuff that isn't even a button. Maybe they think something should be clickable. We often see on sites when we first set up uh, click tracking what we call rage clicking. It's where people will start clicking on something they think should be clickable and they just click on it like 10 times in a row <laughs> and it doesn't work. And that becomes a really frustrating experience for them. So, you know, in those instances, instances, we look at that and say, hey, you should really make that a button or figure out how to make that clickable in some way. Oh, that's incredible. Those are solid, solid steps. Um, yeah. It, it, I'm curious, you've been doing this for... I, I'm guessing over a decade now. Yes, uh, oof, it would be ten years in April, actually. So when when you take a new client and you have, you know, so you understand their goals. So if it's, you know, obviously if it's e-commerce, it's a you know a purchase or an add to cart or something like that. If mm -hmm. it's B two B, maybe they clicked and registered for a download, um, something like that. Um, when you take on a new client and you finally get to a level of detail with analytics where you're capturing campaigns and events and being able to track them through. And then you, you open up click tracking. Do you, do you tend to see some obvious things right off the bat? Generally? Yes. Uh, we'll often see the content that is the main call to action is just not being engaged with. So, you know, not just that people aren't clicking on it, but perhaps they're not even seeing it. Wow. They're not, it, it doesn't pop off of the page. 
it, you know, and I'm a firm believer that button colors are are not a challenge, right? It's something that's an easy pickings for blog posts to write about optimization and button colors, <laughs> yeah. but it's really, it's really not a best practice or even um, something that that I would recommend testing. Um, really, I mean, you you want your call to action to to stand out, of course, but I think really it's more around placement on the page. Is it actually in the flow of where a consumer is is engaging with your page, and that that's going to be most important. And and is it you know I'm I'm this is just fascinating because you know I help people from a top level experience you know with with conversion rate optimization more of a you know are we getting conversions nope okay well let's <laughs> let's <laughs> you know let's try some things and uh, and see what works better. But you know how much of this is intuition you know, from your, you know, kind of historical uh, and your experience and how much of it is paying attention to to the data. Are you are you able to make good decisions just based on intuition and experience? Or is it typically, you know what, every client's a little bit different and you got to really grind the data out? That's a great question, Douglas. You know, the I would say that there are some best practices that should be deployed. And those do get learned over the years. We see some similarities. But this is really where one of the, you know, I mentioned there were four different types of data and we covered two of them. The, the third one is, is A-B testing. Hmm. This is really where A-B testing comes into play. We can have hypotheses around why things are happening and base those on our experience. You know, really what our experience is, is, is showing us is what should be looked at being tested? Not necessarily what the remedy is, but think of it very much like walking into a doctor's office. You walk into the doctor's office, you tell the doctor your symptoms, and they're going to say, well, you know, I think it's likely X, Y, and Z, but I want to get some blood drawn and, and run some blood tests to make sure. Right? That's very, very similar experience. And I think that's that's really how this should be looked at, is the experience and best practices lead us into the right direction, but we do want to confirm that with data. And that's where A-B testing comes in. I am surprised by the amount of companies that will uh, basically invest in a totally new website without ever even trying to A-B test. Mm -hmm. You know, they just say, oh, well, yeah, we, you know, we, we bought this website and, you know, we built it out a few years ago and everything. And, and uh, it's just not working for us. So we're going to go ahead and scrap it. And we're going to go ahead and go through a huge implementation and a brand new website. And Mm -hmm. they never even took the first step to try to see whether headlines were working or different images or, you know, or, or call to actions or anything. Is that, is that, is that something that you see a lot with, with clients? We do. We see that a lot where customers will often come to us after they've burned down the house and started fresh and <laughs> rebuilt their whole new site over. But the problem is, is that they burned down all the good things and put a whole bunch of new barriers in place of the, uh, of the bad things. Yeah. So it's not always the best solution. Now there are times where a redesign makes sense. You've rebranded the company or, you know, you, it's been a number of years and perhaps the design is so dated that it's creating mistrust with your consumers mm. where they're saying, Hey, you know, this site looks so dated that I don't know if I trust this company because they just aren't kept up at the times or, uh, you know, th- there's sentiment there that can be a problem. But in general, 
we find that a redesign is not a solution for conversion improvement. And, you know, the best way to be thinking about improving your site for conversions is to think of it as an iterative process. In fact, you know, we've set up our process here. Our main offering is called the Conversion Growth Program. And that's an ongoing month-to-month optimization program. The idea behind that is that you should be running testing on an iterative basis. We do it on a monthly cycle where we're launching new tests, looking at the data that's coming back from those tests, and making small improvements that compound over time. It really should be thought about like interest in a savings account or a retirement account where you're putting a little bit of money in, but the interest and the gains that are being made off that compound over time that by the time you retire, you've got a lot of money in there. It's the same thing. Make small investments in there and improving your site on a regular basis. And those will compound over time to show some massive gains. There, it really is, Douglas, there's no simple solution for this. There's no one thing that people can do that is just going to double their conversion rates overnight. And to say anything other than that is truly disingenuous. And so it really is a matter of making sure that you are putting a consistent effort to this on a regular basis. I love that. That's such, I, I want to, for everybody listening, <laughs> I feel like I should rewind and repeat that over and over again. And, and that's that, you know, I mean, it's everything associated with digital marketing. It's a matter of momentum and effort and measuring and responding to those results uh, over time. And it's not going to be, you know, okay, we turned on the new site, wait for the flood, you know, <laughs> wait for the right. flood of people to come. That's, that's uh, such good advice. When, when, um, now you're, you're dealing with some major e-commerce companies, um, who obviously have incredible staff on board, you know, probably people that are full time working on conversion rates as well. You know, Mm -hmm. when you're working with a company like that, what kind of expectations can you set for them as far as, you know, squeezing out that little bit more? You know, is it pretty much every client can, you know, reach a double digit, you know, impact or is it, you know, is it largely dependent upon, you know, uh, well, I'm, I'm not even going to guess on all the factors mm-hmm. involved. Well, you know, obviously with the bigger corporations, they do have an in-house team most likely doing testing and optimization, right? And really when we start working with those larger brands, the reason they bring us in is is for a fresh perspective, a new set of eyes. I often like to say that it's really hard to read the label from inside the jar. Mm. If, if even this applies to smaller brands too, where we often work with brands who are doing, you know, a couple of million online or even a million online. And when they come to us, they say, you know, I designed the site and I built it out, or I had an integral part in making sure the site ends up how it is. And, and it's just not performing. And the challenge is, is that they built the site for themselves, not for their consumers. And that's where the challenge comes in. And, you know, that takes me to the great segue to the fourth piece of data that we always recommend and always want to collect from the beginning. And that's user testing. What we do for user testing is we have access to several hundred thousand trained user testers that have all been segmented. So we find testers who are a match for the ideal customer profile for our client and 
these people are trained to talk out loud about the experience they're having as they're completing tasks. We send them to your site, we record their screen and their audio, and we ask them to complete tasks. While they're doing that, they're talking about what they're seeing, about what they're feeling, about what they're doing and thinking. All of that adds up to help us understand from the eyes of your ideal customer, how are they approaching your site? Where are they getting stuck? What do they notice and what do they not notice? And what questions do they have that aren't being answered? Where, you know, if I build a site for myself, I would know what certain terminology means. So I wouldn't be as clear on the site as I could be, for instance. Um, or I would arrange the navigation in a way that makes sense for me. But somebody who's brand new to your site may not know what some of the terminology means or even how to get around your site. So it's really important to have that outside perspective. That's uh you said something earlier that I really loved, and that's that, um, you know, that the website is supposed to be built for your prospects or for your customers. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's something you're, you're you, of course, said it eloquently. But I always I always blast my clients and I always say, yeah, we're not building it for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but it but it's absolutely the truth. And that's that, you know, what you think is nice and what you think is normal and what you think is what you need is not necessarily what your audience needs. And it's, uh, you might know your customer left and right, you know, from a, you know, from a service standpoint, but Mm -hmm. when you get through a digital medium like this, there's a lot of different expectations that, that come with that. Um, you know, people might be just researching online or they might look at your site just to see if you're professional or not. Um, they might, you know, go to see just, you know, what your shipping and return (laughs) you know, policy right. is, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's uh, the, to try to get into the, to the head of every single user, you know, and then come out with something is really, really difficult. So what you're talking about here is, is absolutely critical. This, this, wow. I, I'm sure that we could talk about the process, you know, from, for months, but you know, when, when the good takes on a client, you know, is it a, is there an implementation phase you know, before, you know, while you're getting everything up and measuring and everything else, and then you kind of let things, you know, go status quo just to kind of get a baseline and then start optimizing? Well, for the conversion growth program, the first month uh, of the program is always a comprehensive audit and onboarding. In that comprehensive onboarding and audit, what we're doing is installing all of the right tracking, cleaning up all of the data, making sure that everything is in place to measure the effectiveness of what we're doing and whether or not our testing is is, uh, moving the needle for that company. Now, we're also looking to cover a few different things in the audit. Uh, The first thing is, is after we set up all of that, we do want to collect data for a little bit of time over that month. But we also, in in the audit report, we always want to understand what the highlights of those metrics are saying and what the insights are from that. So we always want to make sure that we we point out where the challenge areas are and the data that backs that up. Then uh, we always want to put together a list of things that are very clearly a challenge and just need to be fixed right away. Hmm. And we try to be pretty prescriptive with that. So uh, we we've usually will put wireframes together and say, this is exactly what needs to be changed and this is how it should be done based on the data that's very telling at this point. Not, you know, out of your 100,000 people that came to your site, 
10 clicked on this button. It's obviously a problem. This is your main call to action. Here's how we would recommend changing that to start. Um, and then in addition to that, we put together a full AB testing plan and roadmap. So we always want to cover what tests we believe should be run, where on the site those tests should be run, or, and when or in what order each of those tests should be run. So we have a comprehensive plan by the end of that first month backed by data. And then starting in the second month, we will always go in and start enacting that testing plan and launch the first batch of tests. Now, typically what we find is that most clients will want to do testing or it's effective to do testing for nine months to a year. After that point, we've usually tested a lot of what we're going to be able to test that's going to be able to prove out in a meaningful time frame meaning that within the next monthly cycle, we'll have results and, and be able to make improvements and continue showing a good return on that investment. After that point, we typically move down into uh, like a maintenance mode, something of that sort, where we're available to answer questions, continue to report on data, um, watch any tests that might still be outstanding. Um, but it is very much like a, a laddering effect where some months we'll step up and do testing. Some months we'll step back down and, and you know, let let tests run out um, and collect some more data to see where, where else we should be attacking next. Um, but usually that comes in after about a year of testing. And again, that goes back to saying that there isn't an overnight fix for this, right? Right. So it really, truly does take about a year to show uh, or improve an entire site. We typically are able to show results within three months or so. We'll start seeing some pretty good results. Um, but we're able to prove out a large number of results um, over a course of about a year. You know, for people listening, I think there's an important aspect of here um, that you don't typically see from an agency standpoint. And I, 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 I'm going to, you know, tout my own you know, work. But one of the things that I love to do with clients is let them go. <laughs> you know, right. I love working for them and everything else, but I want to educate them. I want to get them to a point where they can, you know, stand on their own two feet or the results are getting in such a way that they can get the resources that they need. And what I love about you saying that, because you just said the same exact thing, you know, we want to, we want to work with you for over the course of the year, maybe more, obviously, if there's issues and everything else, but, but your goal is really to get someone, you know, maximized and then get them into a maintenance position where they can really, you know, just, just keep track of it themselves. And I think that's, mm -hmm. that opposes a lot of business relationships within the marketing industry where, you know, people try to you know, get you on their systems and tied to them and integrated with them, you know, where they, you just can't possibly leave. It's just too painful. <laughs> so I, I love that model. Yeah. We see that a lot actually when companies come to us and have worked with other firms to do optimization where they're stuck on some proprietary platform and all of their AB testing data is stuck in that platform Ugh. and they have no way to get it out and they can't really tell us what tests have been run in the past and it just becomes a huge issue. Um, so we were intentionally not a technology company in that way. We use third party platforms Love for it. testing. Um, that's where 
platforms like Optimizely and Visual Website Optimizer and even Google Optimize uh, has come a long way over the past handful of months. Yeah. Um, so there's some great tools out there and they're not expensive. Uh, well, uh, on the scale of how I mentioned them, I went from expensive to cheap. But sure. I will say <laughs> yeah. that, um, you know, it depends on where you're at and, and what your investment level is. But Optimize is free for the most part. And yeah. VWO, you know, it can be maybe a thousand dollars a month, um, and which is, you know, not bad for a brand who's doing a few million online. And then, you know, there's Optimizely, which is is ten thousand plus a month often right. um, for great for larger corporations or bigger brands. Um, so, you know, there's there's a way to get in and start doing this at every price point and every size. Well, John, uh, this has been, uh, you know, fascinating just talking about this process. Um, I'm curious, you know, uh, first thing, of course, is, you know, what kind of customer are you guys looking for? I want to make sure with our audience that they're, um, you know, that if they're a good fit, they should give you a call. What size company, you know, what kind of revenue uh, do you typically take care of? Great question. I, I appreciate you asking that. So at the good, we typically want to work with brands who um, more so have a certain amount of traffic. I think that's the best way to uh, understand who's a good fit, mainly because it's hard to prove a return on testing or to prove the results of a test out in a meaningful time frame unless there's enough traffic to do mm. so. So, so just a, a statistic validity, I guess, right? Exactly, right. It would take too long to, to prove out statistical significance on a test and, and say for sure we have a winner here. Um, so actually the minimum level of traffic, absolute minimum we want to see is 10,000 unique users to a site per month. Okay. And that's really the absolute minimum and it, and it would go up from there. But, uh, you know, the... Generally, what we see in terms of revenue is a few million is the floor there. Even a million is pushing it. Um, but generally, I, I focus less on the revenue, more on the traffic levels, because there are brands of all different types of revenue that have different types of funding and uh, margins and are sure. willing to invest here and there. And so I found over the years that really just saying, hey, this is the amount of traffic we need. And if you don't have that traffic level, you're really better off trying to, to get the right tracking in place and start using that data to, to form some intelligence and make some informed data-backed decisions. But you're not at a point where you can do A-B testing. So invest that money you would have spent with us in driving traffic to your site so that you can get your revenue and your traffic levels up Nice. And then at that point, come back and, and let's talk about accelerating that and then getting your return on that ad spend or ROAS um, up dramatically from there by optimizing your site. Ah, solid advice. And uh, and then, of course, where can people go to get, you know, obviously you guys are putting out a ton of information, not just for your target audience, but for everybody. Right. Yeah. So the best place to, to learn more is to go to thegood.com, T H E g-o-o-d.com and uh, for brands who feel like they they might be qualified to work with us and or and based on those traffic levels and are interested in learning a little bit more up in the top right hand corner of our site there's a button um, that uh, says evaluate your site if you click on that i'd be happy to run some data on your site um, actually we have a tool that we use for eye tracking um, that I can collect some data and help you to understand 
um, what it might be like to work with us, but also give you some value over a 15, 20 minute call in looking at a page of your site that, that might be a key conversion page for you. Oh, that's great. Fantastic. Well, John, thanks so much for taking the time with us today. Uh, this is incredible uh, advice, um, uh, four great tips to start out to, to get people uh, you know, on the ground running. And then uh, we'll, of course, put that in the show notes and we'll put links out to your site as well as a couple of these tools that you talked about. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Subscribe at martech.zone. Sponsorships and marketing services are available through dknewmedia.com.